Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello, the podcast is brought to you by Levi Solicitors. They will do 10% discount on your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. 15% on conveyancing instructions, the discount until the end of September 2021. I'm Dan Moylan. With me is Michael Normanton. Hello. And so is Moscow White. Daniel Chapman. Hello. If you want to say hi to us and support us, you can with TSB Plus, where you can give us feedback on the match ball. You can get every digital copy of the magazine we've done since 2009 podcasts ad-free priority access to the match ball and loads more have a look at the squareball.net forward slash plus so we dealt with all the propaganda issues on that particular show where we heard from liverpool fans we gave our, gave our opinions on on matters a real joy relating to the game at the weekend let's deal with all the other matters right now then the uh, the news roundup from ellen road what hath happened bring any center backs nah shit that's a bit of a downer isn't it this is the big Injury problem from the Liverpool game, isn't it? The one everybody's talking about. Well, we are uh, recording exactly the moment, moments after Phil Hay has tweeted saying they're expected to appeal the Strout red card. Uh, I did say on propaganda, I think, that I just do not see that getting overturned. Never mind that. We're talking about Diego Llorente. That's the injury that counts. Just talking about the centre-backs issue in that we haven't got any. Nah, that I said on Matchball. Ailing and <laughs> Creswell. Fine. Cooper will be all right. It's... Um, Saint Maximum, isn't it? So Liam Cooper can drag deal with him, him back. Yes. Get, what, what minute will he get his yellow card? Ah, uh, I, I, Liam Cooper. I mean, I think Cooper, because of everything that happened in the Liverpool game, we didn't talk that much, did we? About um, about Cooper being a bit, Shit. a little bit Cooperish. Mm. Um, but yeah, he'll he'll play, won't he? And he'll probably be fine. Probably. Um, but yeah, Urente has, which is obviously the the main source of information these days on Instagram said that it is nothing serious. I have nothing serious, and I'll be back soon. Let's hope it's very soon. So, that's good. I mean, do you remember in the Championship where we only had two centre-backs, and then we bought loads? Waste of money, because they're all injured. Robin Cock is broken. We've got a broken cock. Mm. Are you only bringing that up so you can make that joke? Yes. Cause I well, mean, no, no, because I am, I am genuinely worried about him, because he seems to be per- perpetually injured. And this... Do we know what the pubis injury is yet? Because... If it's the, uh, I saw somebody um, link to this or mention it. Can't remember where. I know this is badly researched, but basically, you can knack your pubis from too much work, like the two halves of your groin basically rub against one another because you're doing too much exercise. Which is obviously why I avoid doing too much my, exercise. Sometimes my inner thighs rub together because I do not enough exercise, and you get a bit, <laughs> a bit of chub on there. Um, I don't think that's probably the problem for, for Robin Cock. It might be if they've been doing too much exercise and the professional footballers. And I don't know if you've heard. Marcelo Bielsa likes to work them quite a lot. Mm. They do get quite a lot of exercise. I don't know if he's perpetually injured. He is. It feels like this is one injury, so it's not like I don't. What, think since he, we signed him, no. But so he got injured last season. Yep. And now he's injured now. Yep. So that's two injuries. When has he been fit? When he played. When was that? In between. Not that, he's not played much though, has it? I think. No, he Dan, hasn't. Dan is making a fair point here, and you're. And it's the word perpetual, and also with, I think worrying about this one like give him a chance to recover from this injury before we condemn him as for I, I want being him, injured again I want, him, I want s- him sent to the glue factory are you prepared to say that Adam Farshaw is perpetually perpetually injured or well, are you going to defend his half a game against crew well it's a bit like the Tyler Roberts one where it's one long complicated injury and then the recovery has the associated muscle strains as you build up back up to fitness and then since then, it's not been a problem with his injuries. It's just whether he's any good or not. So, you know, I, I'm not surprised for Forshaw got a, a calf strain. Not really surprised Fiorente is having these um, 
Llorente is a bit more worrying because he seems to recover fully from minor injuries and then it's fine. But then Robin Cock had quite a bad knee injury last season that needed surgery. I don't know. I don't know. I just not willing to paint him as a sick note. Mm. Yeah, it's not fit very often, is he? That's that's my well, only. He's not been slight. here very long, and he had one long injury. And it's the same with Pat Bamford. His his first season, he had two major knee injuries. No, when not, was he last injured? It's not a value judgment on him. I was just making an observation that he's always injured. Which, to be fair, he is. Yeah, we haven't had much chance to use him, have we? No. It's but then the we haven't. He hasn't had much chance to recover. When was his pubis injury? It was about a week ago. I feel like this is a weird thing to argue about now. You're sort of arguing that we don't have a big enough sample size and we're arguing that. But from the sample size we have, he's injured a, a lot. He's injured an, he's an unacceptable been, amount. But he's on. it's like... How many games has he played? But how many games have there been since he injured his pubis? I'm saying there's been about, what, 38, 39, over 40 games since we signed him. I'd be interested to yes. know how many he's played in. With one knee injury that he was the problem. Uh-huh. I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't stripping down the injuries to different areas of his body. I'm just saying, he just, it was just a, a remark saying he seems to be perpetually injured. Well, it because, was a bad injury. Okay. So it took a long time for him to get better. Thank you, Dr. Chapman. Just tangentially, to relate, tangentially related to that. Genitally related to his Yeah, I, it's, I need to get away from this wherever my mind is at the minute. Radrizani's comments about Foreshaw, really just look ill advised. I'm talking about the tweet, you know, where, where somebody tweeted him saying, where's our new midfielder? Andrea and, he's, and he came back with Adam Forshaw it just feels like that was ill-advised because it's put as Phil said it's put pressure on Forshaw himself but also he's not really going to be the answer this season is he he might contribute well let's hope he does but it's I think it's naive to suggest that he's going to be the person that sorts out everything in midfield it was just as with most of Radrizani's tweets you just sort of think it'd been better if you hadn't yeah <laughs> that's the that's the thing with more well, or less all of it and it's, it, and it, it very and rarely does anything but inflame a situation I know it? I just whenever he says stuff I just think it'd have just been easier if you didn't say that like doing an interview with Sky uh, in the wake of Liverpool saying you know we want European football it's like just read the room it's not the time mm. but then again he, you know, he had loads of his mates over for his birthday probably showing off a little bit in front of them <laughs> You know, in front of his, look at my football club. Yeah, we're going to build a stadium. Yeah, but we need to make sure we're fine in this division first, don't we? Just, I don't know, just read the room. Uh, anyway, we didn't get a midfielder because Lewis O'Brien didn't sign. And uh, did you see Phil Hodgkinson from Huddersfield saying that they turned down, I think it was £130 million for Lewis O'Brien when you factor in all the clauses, but they want to keep him. So they didn't take that money. I think, well, he was saying that it wasn't really the amount, it was about the guaranteed amount and the structure of it, wasn't it? I think we wanted to pay pay in instalments and pay probably a fair chunk of it after he'd played so many games for us and maybe after we'd, we'd stayed up and all this sort of stuff. And he went, uh, nah, don't really fancy that. You can give us a load. If you want to give us like 30 million quid now, we might take it, but um, you're going to have to do better than spreading it out over the course of the next decade, which, you know, is fair enough. There's probably a little bit of him playing to the crowd Huddersfield as well with this to say like look you know we look how good a job I am doing at keeping hold of him and not selling to to Leeds but um, they probably will eventually he did also acknowledge that you know the player himself was quite keen on it what he said he's quite keen to work for Bielsa <laughs> didn't mention Leeds in any of this <laughs> like everyone understands he wants to work with Bielsa but no no they're going to go to Leeds <clears throat> can't talk about them up the A62 pathetic club anyway he's cracked on with it who knows do we go back from in January do we even care I mean, do we know if, do we know his injury record yet? Might be. I mean, he missed the start of the season with COVID, doesn't he? So he's got perpetual COVID. Mm, that, that's one of the conditions you can get um, from COVID. Pascal Strauch has said sorry. We know that. Does he mean it? <laughs> God. So if you've been listening to propaganda, some of those Liverpool, cl- well, one Liverpool clown in particular. I don't want to um, tire everybody with the same brush. But did uh, Pascal Strauch um, send this message from jail? Perpetually incarcerated. <laughs> It's what all that he deserves. Yeah, it, in fairness, him and um, Harvey Elliott have both been the most reasonable people about this, haven't they? He said, obviously, I didn't mean it, and I'm really sorry. And Harvey Elliott said, obviously, didn't you didn't mean it, and it's fine. Harvey Elliott noted for his sensible approach to social media throughout his life, his young life. Yeah, he's had a few. Um, he's had a few missteps, hasn't he? That you can you perpetual can missteps that you can look up if you should so wish. But um, you know, he's 18 and he's he's likely an idiot, which is. <laughs> I guess forgivable in certain respects. I mean, with, with regards to the red card, I mean, enough has been said about it, but the injury itself, it's like, well, I like his 
pragmatism about this. It is the pragmatism that only comes with being 18 years old, where you go, oh, do you know what? Just another lad tried to get the ball off me. Bit of an accident. It's all right. Because you're, uh, you're bulletproof when you're 18, aren't you? Well, Sonny um, on Propaganda suggested that his life might be over. He said he's, only, he's 18, his career's only just started, his life's only just started. And look at him now, cut down in the trenches like he's, like he's some fallen war hero. I mean, if I was Harvey Elliott, I would maybe look for the fans of my team to have a bit more faith in me than this, than just going, well, I guess that's it for him. Just <laughs> claim the insurance and uh, retire him now. But, no, I'm going to fight and come back strong. Nope, <laughs> you're never coming back from this. Sorry, Harvey. I just want to talk about um, Bielsa and his idea that everybody should take a pay cut, which is uh, it's an interesting concept. And I think it's hard as football fans when you see the money that's in the game. And, you know, we on propaganda, we ran through all the ridiculous transfer fees that Liverpool have paid over the last uh, five years, which was £550 million they've spent on footballers in five years, which, which feels like quite a lot. Uh, Bielsa saying everyone should just be paid less. Well, he's got kind of a weird relationship to money as Bielsa, hasn't he? I, think, I mean, I've, I've been saying this for years. I've said I don't want Leeds to get any richer. I just want everyone to get else to get poorer. The whole thing needs to just shrink down and be a lot more sensible and a lot more like a sport. And that's what Bielsa said, <laughs> essentially. He just said, can we all just calm down with this? Like, it's it's big enough. There's, there's, there's more than enough money here. Why don't we just all take a little step back and enjoy it a bit more? Concentrate on making the game better, which is his stance and calm down a bit is the perfect description of it we said my position is to pause the inflation of football to play less and yeah so everything that's going wrong is all to make money and it's an it's an interesting situation and he's right and it's weird how football has backed itself into this corner where it's all hell-bent on making as much money as possible but then who are the people who are really rich in football is all the players and then there's kind of been hints at this. He's, from, he's not doing too badly, though, I would say. But compared to, what, uh, let's take Reading as the, the example, where their, their wages to turnover um, ratio is something like 150%. And Barcelona have basically run themselves into the ground by giving all their money to Messi. And we're seeing gradual steps with even some of the Barcelona players, like PK taking a pay cut so they can keep going. It almost reached a point where you're starting to get it from players where they're like, we don't actually need to be paid as much. Like this, this, we do this for less, but you've made all this money, so we're going to have it. It's kind of the, it's the story of football since 1992, really, where so much money started go, coming into the game, and then all the players said, "Well, we should have that," and then all the um, club owners realised that they don't actually have any power in this situation because without the best players, their product is worthless. So they have to give all the money to the players, and now the players are just like, "Great, cheers," but. It's not helped everybody. So I, I, I do agree with what you're saying, but it's never going to change. It's not going to go backwards, is it? I did think, though, that what you said about the way football's been marketed was quite interesting and the way that it's being consumed. And we see, like, one of the interesting things that, that's come to our attention in the wake of this Liverpool thing is, like, the cult of Klopp, right? Because you posted, well, tweets that might have provoked a response from, from Liverpool fans, but a lot of it, the biggest response has come in the defence of Klopp, the person, rather than, I don't know, the game or Liverpool at all. You know, because there's no criticism in there of Liverpool as an entity. It was a lot of praise. As yeah. I said on Propaganda, I'm very impressed with the way that Virgil van Dijk and Mo Salah behaved, but it seems like Liverpool fans prefer Klopp. And like the FIFA generation, very much caught up on, like, you know, like the FIFA ultimate team type way of assembling these mega teams and it's all around the likes of personality. And you see what Ronaldo's done to, um, Cristiano Ronaldo's done to the shirt sales. At Manchester United, they've you know, sold over many millions. Green and gold until we're sold. That's what I heard mm. over a few months ago. But then they, they got Ronaldo back in Sancho and it's fine now, isn't it? Yeah. To that, bunch of lads. to that point, I also tweeted over the weekend a video with Gordon Strachan talking about how there's no morals in football as a response to the fact that Ryan Giggs was in the director's box for Cristiano Ronaldo's debut when I would think Giggs is maybe one of those people who, until his court cases are settled, you'd maybe keep a a bit of distance from him and not putting him into positions of privilege and uh, visibility the way that he was at the weekend. And one of the replies to that was somebody claiming that that only this idea is only apply if you put too much attention on the individual players and use them as role models. They're not role models, they're just footballers or sports people. And then they confidently said, I don't 
idolize any footballers. They had Cristiano Ronaldo as their Twitter avatar and also as their um their their banner. So that seemed a little bit <laughs> difficult for me to take that particular lesson from from this person. But there does seem to be a lot of that devotion out there. This kind of everybody's hooking themselves to these these one players and the um yeah the the marketing that Bielsa is essentially saying that the way the game is marketed in that way is wrong. That the the idea and it relates to some of what we've said about Celsius lately, where the way we present it to people in the way we assume they will want it as five minute highlights or via Celsius, like you can vote to choose a playlist. You can vote for the washing powder yeah. in the laundry room. We think, oh, that's how the younger generation wants to watch football. Whereas actually, we were all young once, and I don't think generations change that much. And the way that people enjoy football and start to love football is by watching really good matches and seeing footballers do really good things and his other point is that because of the number of games being played to generate so much money there aren't enough not tired good players doing the good things that will appeal to the new generation i think one of the he's mentioned this before and to sort to go back to his pay cut thing it's not only about everybody taking a pay cut but it's where the investment should be to create that we need more good footballers so that and they need to not all be in Chelsea's reserves so that then the competition, the standard of competition will be better. A little bit like, and if we are going back to days of maximum wage, then it's when John Charles would play for Leeds United in the second division for five seasons, even though he was widely acknowledged as the best player in the world because we could afford to keep him because it was a maximum wage, there was no benefit for him going to another club in the country. He wanted to play in the first division, but it was only an economic argument. Um, it was only a sporting argument. There was no economic advantage. So he played for us in the second division. And it used to be when, um, a more recent example is when Leeds sold Tony Curry because he wanted to move back to London, but we didn't want him to go to another first division club. So he went to the second division, QPR. He was an England international, but was because there wasn't this disparity in wages and because the second division was still quite competitive, playing the second division, it's fine. And, there were 92 teams of strong footballing staffs that were obviously the team at the bottom was not as good as the team at the top, but there there were more good players spread out and we've concentrated so many of the good players at the top. If you watch the championship now, as I have tried to do occasionally since Leeds are in the Premier League, awful. it's just that it doesn't help anybody that the championship is so terrible and these kind of idea is that instead of paying Lionel Messi or even Marcelo Bielsa as much money as we do, chop it all in half and start putting that money into grassroots football and training better footballers and and then also with the and the hoarding them less, which will be easier achieved when there are more good players because when there's that many good players they have to start moving about. I think it, I mean it's fair to say with the John Charles stuff, there is a balance on it because I see it as being quite horrendously unfair that John Charles wasn't paid more for having tens of thousands of people paying to watch him every week, you think, well, he probably does deserve like the majority of that because the chances are if you were coming to watch Leeds at that point, you were really paying to watch John Charles. And so why should the, it, So the, why, um, why shouldn't he earn more? The gate receipts reflected that as well. If he was ever away with Wales, 10,000 people didn't come. I mean, I, I can't stand the man, but isn't... John Charles? No, aren't we surely seeing a, a more modern example of that with uh, Cristiano Ronaldo? Yeah, but I think that this where I'm saying there's a balance is, is that John Charles probably could have quite done with having his wages doubled and he could have bought himself like a much nicer house that was still within like a vaguely normal house plan. Ronaldo could buy himself like a hundred incredible houses now and a hundred houses is too many to, for a man to own. Yeah, so like, I've been making notes about what we should do just based on, you, on your suggestions here. So we're saying take the wealth and players of Man City and Chelsea, distribute them out, put Ronaldo on a plane to the United States and get him out of the Premier League. Are we going for that? Uh, I, that seems fair, and he, and he could find himself in a big house um, in America, mm. couldn't he? If he was, if he would be willing to to go over there, those would be good options. It's it's interesting when you talk about balance. There's never been a, a balance, it's, and it's still. I think football is in this state of flux, and that's why I think when you say it can never happen, it could because you know the maximum wage was abolished. Jimmy Hill helped that happen, and then the the way that control has has moved, it was those gate receipts that could have gone to John Charles just went into directors' pockets, went into the club and they all paid themselves. 
and then the players came and took that. And now there's kind of with the whole um, why was the Super League so desperate to happen? Because they've all got themselves into debt, paying these players far too much money. There's a lot of incompetence in a lot of boardrooms in football where these people have got billions of pounds worth of revenue coming into their clubs and they can't keep it. And it's all going to players and their agents for no reason. And on the one hand, that's a good thing because it gets it out of the, the boardroom. And why is it, why would it help anybody there? But on the other hand, you'd think we're well, starting to see with uh, Madrid and Barcelona that it's, it's not sustainable. So something's going to have to it needs crack them, there. It needs one of them to collapse, doesn't it? It needs like Barcelona to completely do a Leeds, I think, as the, the phrase was coined on, as it is on Wikipedia. One of for one of them, one of the real power bases to completely collapse, and then people will sit up and take notice and say that shouldn't be allowed to happen. And that's when they'll start to try and put regulations in place or controls because one of the Super League teams will basically go into the gutter. I mean, the Super League teams did that. Is essentially what they were trying to do. They were trying to do it on their own terms, though. They were trying yeah. to say, well, we're in a bit of shit here, so. The best way to sort it out is if give us more money. Is if we get more money and then we'll close mm. it all off and then we can guarantee we keep that. And I guess in the initial stages, the thinking was, and then we won't overspend again. But they would have done because mm. they're idiots. Well, that's it. It boils down to that, doesn't it? Idiocy. Yeah. And we need to stop idiots being born. Football just needs a better model than dr- like raking in billions and billions and then giving all that and more that it doesn't have to footballers because that's not going to work for very long. And then. But then what the actual solution is, you're relying on the same idiots to come up with a better plan that will still help. I mean, Bielsa's talking about reducing ticket prices at the same time as um, investing in grassroots. And it's a question of, well, are we are we giving clubs and leagues less money out of fans' pockets by reducing all the ticket prices? Or are we giving them the same money, but then trusting them to invest in making the sport better and more attractive? I don't think any of that is is clear going forward, but I do think that starting one, it's um, it's really interesting that Bielsa began this or he included in it that this is the great secret is that we should all earn less and then everything about football would be better. And they call him a madman. It's ridiculous. Um, it's time to get Eddie in and play the kids, isn't it? After that weekend that we had at Ellen Road against Liverpool, uh, they drew 2-2 with West Ham. I didn't realise this was... Uh... Leo Hielder's debut. I, for some reason, I thought he'd got about a good sort of two or three games under his belt. He's been perpetually injured since he, he came. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, He's per- perpetually just signed. Perpetually pizza's happening as well, isn't it? Uh, we're at Tranmere tonight as we record this in the Papa John's. I was half tempted to go to this, but then I realised it's um, in Tranmere and it's a long way. It's a lot further than you realise. <laughs> yeah. Um, from West just, I think I've just got some League One memories that I want to kind of... Really, the memories of Paul Dickov on that very same pitch. How could I not think fondly? Trezor Candol scoring, scoring that late winner when it bounced off his arse or whatever it was. <laughs> so yeah, but I mean, the, this is this is Sean Harvey's work, isn't it? This that we get we get this absolute spectacle in front of about seven hundred people probably at Tranmere tonight. The ten, it's the twenty ones, isn't it? Not the twenty threes. I mean, it might make it a bit more competitive if it was the twenty threes because you could could immediately transplant it into into the game day situation. But you've got to kind of piss around with different ages and I think you are allowed some overage players aren't you so we might that's what I mean it's just a we might it's, find a, like, it's a faff we might find Rodrigo is starting in this or something is <laughs> some kind of punishment for, for not doing well enough against Liverpool so it'll be interesting to see anyway it, it shows these games quite often show that youth football is a very different game to the to the senior game even at lower levels because we've I know last year we, we had to play some proper children in one of the games but we didn't do terribly well in it even though our under twenty threes were, were kind of flying in the league we went into these and, and there was the whole covid bubble thing wasn't there as well that they couldn't put somebody from that bubble into another bubble so they had to basically just uh pl- literally play the kids do you um, remember the uh, under 23s at real when it all got into a proper fight and it was our kids basically up against a lot of like part-time scaffolders <laughs> i was just reminded of that when michael was saying about it reminds you of the the gulf between real youth football and real kind of men's football at these levels it reminded me of them um, Real stubbing out cigarettes on the heads if, of our children. I wonder if Sonny will be there just yelling, they're 18 <laughs> Well, it's nearly, the hope for the entire game. Yes. The decote tackle them. They're 18. That's Sonny who we mentioned on the propaganda show, yes. by the way, the Liverpool fan. Tranmere, so it'll be just down the road from him, won't it? Yeah. Ferry cross to Mersey for that one. Leeds United women were in the FA Women's National League Cup. Now, they were playing at, um, against Wolves who were in the league above them. Um, and we spoke to Olivia Smart, uh, the left-back, who we sponsor in the women's team. She was on the extra ball, which is dead good, and you should um, give that a listen if you are a subscriber. Or a watch as well. You can watch it on the website. 
Uh, she was saying it was going to be a tough one because they're in, in the league above, but, but the women's team are aspiring to get up to that division this season and they are currently top of the league, so fingers crossed. Throwing good money after bad, sponsoring them, can't even put a cup run together. <laughs> Pathetic. It's, she, wait, it's in keeping with the tradition of the men's team, though. Yeah, you, you've, it was a 3-1 defeat or way to Wolves, but um, Smart did take the corner that we scored from. So She does seem to take loss. much better corners than any of our first team. It is worth saying that they're always like pretty much right in, on the six-yard line. I don't know how she's so consistent with them when we see in a game Calvin, Dallas, Rafinha, all just taking it in turns to hit them at the first man. It's kind of frustrating. She probably practices them. Is that how it works? Oh. Perpetual practice. Can't wait for Phil Hay to pile on the worry and the misery later on in the week we, uh, when we speak on the Phil Hay show on the podcast for The Athletic. He's normally a beacon of good senses, Phil, because he's just about detached enough, but I think he's going to pile on the, the pressure when it comes to the Newcastle game this week. What do you reckon? He's going to say must win, I think. Which is well, he's going to he's going to say must win, and then backtrack and say no, it, it, it's not that important. But really, a win would help, and then it, that'll just stress me out even more. So consider this our, our prediction for that. Uh, the Athletic bring you this podcast, the home to the best collection of football reporters, storytellers, and analysts in the world. Phil Hay among that group. Hey, fifty uh, percent off an annual subscription at the minute, which is thirty quid for the year. Head to theathletic.com forward slash the square ball to get hooked up with that theathletic.com forward slash the square ball let's preview Newcastle now then here on the square ball podcast Friday night under the lights at St James's first things first is Michael you're going to this and what are we going to do about the match ball I'll ring up get me on the phone can't you technology mm. it'll be fine I'll yeah, have, assume um, we'll answer I'll have been drinking from about midday probably so yeah, can we? Yeah. You can, might get a reasonable degree of sense out of me. We've got video now. Are you going to get your drunken, stupid, drunken face on there? All close up and uh, yeah, maybe. We'll um, we'll see how terrible that actually looks at the time. I'm looking forward to it. It's been ages since I've been to an away game. You're a bit surprised to get Years. a ticket, weren't you? Yeah, very surprised. Yeah, I, got, I had a, I had my usual like forty browser windows open that I've had. I, I had the same for Manu and Burnley in fairness and um, failed miserably. But yes, miraculously, one of them just let me in, and I was like. <sighs> I'm going to get a ticket. You just don't know what to do. I'm going to actually go. I assume it's the stairs at Newcastle put, putting people off meant they were slightly easier to get. Um, I think that my ticket says I'm on the seventh level, which I've forgotten about. I didn't even realise there that there's a Premier League rule, isn't there, that your seats have got to be, some of your seats have got to be pitch side for, for your away fans, but Newcastle have been given some sort of exception based on like the ability to segregate fans or whatever it might they be. They probably just can't be bothered trying to argue with Mike Ashley. It's, oh, just do what you want. Yeah. <laughs> We we had, we had a meeting, but he was he was being sick in a fireplace. We just we couldn't continue. Does your um, ticket give you? Uh, does it come with a voucher for punching one horse? <laughs> I, mean, I I think you they just line them up outside the ground, don't they? You can you can, you can take. So it's not a voucher system. It's, See if one's behind you. It's an honesty based system for for punching horses up there. So um, I'll see which one looks like he's asking for it, and just just go for that probably. My Geordie mates, because I, I worked up there for a number of years, as you know, uh, my Geordie mates all say it's a nailed on three points for us, this one. They're, they are more confident of us winning this game than we are, I think. That is probably safe to say, I think. I'm very confident, so... I, on, I, why? I am, I am, also, I am also, yeah, I am also confident because we, at some point, will click this season. However, I was uh, texted by Phil Hare this morning who has instructed me to predict a defeat for Leeds just to try and flip the jinx, the reverse jinx, get it going the other way. So I will, I'm confident about this game, but I'm also confident we will lose four goals to nil. No, I will be right because Steve Bruce will still be there and I, do, I genuinely don't understand why he hasn't quit yet. There's just nothing in it for him, but he's still just clinging up. Just resign. He didn't have a problem resigning when he was, he was getting a better job before, wasn't he? When he's like, Wigan manager for a week or whatever. He's like, oh no, I got another up. And then he did it to Sheffield Wednesday as well, he did. didn't he? He even delayed his start at Sheffield Wednesday because he wanted to go and watch cricket. So and then he started, and then about a week later got a better offer and went, ah, yeah. So I don't Not know really what, unpack my stuff anyway, I might as well go. I don't know what's in it for him clinging on to this, even when well, the weekend he was getting, um, he got very upset about being asked about going on holiday. The Chronicle had been urged by numerous fans to ask why Steve Bruce had been seen in Portugal during the international break and he had a right term. Have you seen his his meltdown? No, I've not actually. I've seen his, I've seen his melting face, it's but never, band, never so his meltdown. Banned one of the local journalists, haven't they, from the, the training ground and from presses yeah. because of the question. Didn't like well, the line of questioning. Go on. Do you think I really have to answer that to you? That's what the fans are asking, Eddie. We've trained all week and we were in every day. Preparation was meticulous. Let me tell you. 
I had to kind of <laughs> stop. Was, just was, stop. <laughs> but it gets down to, um, and this is great, this is where you can tell he should have quit long before it got to this point. To have to answer questions like that is typical to the question I would get of you in your newspaper. If I'm being brutally honest, that's why the, the fans are the way they are, the way you are, and your negativity, and you a newspaper. I mean, when that's... Sorry, everybody. When that's what the uh, the manager is saying, give up. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've scribbled down just a, a little sort of chart here of people who are against one another. Fans are against Bruce. The fans are against Ashley. The club are against the Premier League. The fans are against the Premier League. Bruce is against Ashley, and Ashley's against Bruce. And then, I mean, you saw the statement that the Newcastle board put out defending their transfer policy against what the manager had been saying. None of it with a name on. They didn't name Steve Bruce as saying that they're, they're contradicting what he's been saying. And no, nobody on the Newcastle board put their name on it, but it was an official Newcastle, like the most passive-aggressive statement. The Newcastle, the Newcastle board have heard that certain people might not be happy about some of our transfer activity. Well, those people might remember in summer when they said, it's absolutely delicious, but why are they all sticking around? I get why Mike Ashley it's is joyless, isn't it? sticking around, because he just wants to sell it for a profit. And in the meantime, uh, it's he's running it like Chilino ran Leeds, where the training ground is basically down to the bare bones. So I love the description, and it feels like the ultimate Premier League indignity that they have a rehab room that is a converted toilet, and it still has the toilet in it. And I'm just picturing they've just stuck a, a bed in there next to a bog. It's and like when you like, when you go on holiday abroad sometimes, and there's, there's a random bit of like porcelainware in a room that you're not quite sure where it's there, whether it's a toilet or a bidet or both. And there's like a bed in the corner as well. And that's their training ground. Yeah. And the whole thing is just an absolute hilarious catastrophe. What they're all, what they're all, and what they're actually seeing as the end point to this catastrophe is those great bunch of lads from Saudi Arabia coming in and, and cleaning it all up, which is going to be um, that's going to be satisfying, is it? To have, no, to be owned by them. I don't know. That'll just make everything worse. Um, I mean, I've I don't have a particular problem with Newcastle as a as a football. I thought you were going to say Saudi Arabia. Then I thought you were going to say I think they've done some really good, really good stuff over <laughs> the years, like Jenny Alioski. Um, and he's doing well. So like, I would not have a problem with a well-run, good Newcastle United. That would be fine. But it's difficult to root for them when all they seem to want is to sell themselves to Saudi Arabia. Although I understand how Mike Ashley would drive you into uh, unfortunate scenarios, wishing yeah. it would get better. Yeah. But then in the middle of it all is Steve Bruce and his injured strikers. So he's got Callum Wilson, who's quite good, but then he gets injured. So Joe Linton, who um, didn't, I think I read it right that Chris Hewton resigned because he didn't want them to sign Joe Linton. And then Steve Bruce came in and it was signed over his head. It's basically, Mike Ashley seemed to want him, so spent all their money on him. And, and, and it was a lot. And he, Yeah, like 45 million. And he's absolutely terrible. And that's why Chris Hewton was like, I'm not, I'm not sticking around to have you just signing Jolin for no reason. Steve Bruce I, I, obviously I, doesn't have those particular issues. On. I can't get over the fact that he's not Joe Linton and it, it still troubles me to this day. But that's by the by. Bruce is in... He's, this is maybe a bit unfair on Bruce's managerial career, but he's essentially in the Hockaday position, isn't he? Of not really being able to complain because he knows essentially he's lucky to have a Premier League job. And so he, he ends up in this weird thing that, as Hockaday did, where he's like, I know this is all a mess and I know I'm probably not even good enough to be doing this, but it's work, isn't it? But that's what I don't get is why put yourself through. There is like a genuine compassionate side to this where he. You, I mean, you remember his, you remember his, the, uh, the great, his great United side, don't you, when he played for him and Gary Pallister. <laughs> him and Pallister times. together at the back was just... Um, Dreamy stuff. Wasn't yeah, it? beautiful. But why? Because he, he often complains about the abuse that he gets from fans and the things that people say about him. And, you know, he's got like fans... He looks like Mrs. Doubtfire. And yes, for example, ugly fat any, mess. <laughs> any more examples we can... Cabbage head. And send to him? Cabbage head, yes. I went a cabbage home, didn't I, that, that time? But, and, and I wouldn't like to hear any of that stuff said about me but he's a very rich man who has that as his get out clause and it must be horrible managing Newcastle horrible having all these people saying those things about you it's not going to get any what's he waiting for like is Mike Ashley going to wake up December 31st going to go tell you what Steve this window all the players you want let's buy them but then he'd go to Steve and he'd go like oh 
not really, well, that's I've, not, I've not really got any. Um, oh, you want, you want Andre, name? You want Andre, names? Andre Kinchalskis. <laughs> uh, I've got a son. He can probably. But no, you're, you're absolutely right. I think what we're all kind of circling around here is that there's no plan and there's no joy. They're just. I think we described them as pointless, wasn't it, last week? And not they're not a pointless club. I love Newcastle as an entity. I think the Premier League is miles better for having a minute. I've got an affinity to the city as well. Six easy points. Friends, yeah, well, yeah, that helps. You know, friends who support them. I lived there. It's a good town and it's a good football club, but they're just in a real mess at the minute. And if ever we're going to have a good chance to beat a club that's on the bones of its arse and is directionless, it's now. Given this is on YouTube and I'm out in Newcastle on uh, Friday night, it's a very good town. I love it. It is all a great, great all great people. It no, is. it is though. You are right. It's a, I, I really like Newcastle as well as a, as a place and as a football club, yeah. I think they're, they're fine, aren't they? Yeah, quite, you can't love 50,000 screaming fans in a place that are going to, you know, make it... It adds something to the Premier League, doesn't it, by being there? They've got a great stadium as well, right in the middle of town and stuff. Yeah. I know it's kind of shit when you're an away fan, you, you're sat on the roof, but it's, as a whole experience, I, I enjoy Newcastle. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Magpies are bastards, aren't they? They are. You can't have any time for I'm a not magpie. not sure how much weight we can pull to that. I got some magpies had a go at me when I was eating my breakfast in um summer i put a nice table which was um handmade for me by leeds fans um who uh they have a shop on etsy and it's the, the name escapes me but great I, great advert yeah yeah but they were really good they they um they listen they make the tables while listening to the podcast which um i'll find out who they are at some point is that is that what you, is that what you you let them listen to it while they make you free tables is that how I it didn't, works i wasn't free paid for it and i put it in front of my window i live on the first floor overlooking some gardens and I was eating my breakfast and I saw these three magpies sort of sitting together. Having a chat. Yeah. <laughs> and what they seemed to be chatting about was me because they they flew in formation, stormed at the window. Was it the 2-1 formation or the 1-2 formation? Or the well, flat three? I didn't notice particularly, but two of them hit the window and seemed to frighten themselves. and Two of attack, yeah. But then one of them landed on the window ledge and stayed there and was like staring me out until I was banging on the window to make it go away. So... You know, three magpies teaming up and deciding to have a go at me when I'm just sitting minding my own business, looking out the window, having a nice time at my beautiful table. Would you have rather had one magpie at the window, um, three magpies or one Steve Bruce, which would have been more disturbing to you? Flying at your window. Flying Steve Bruce. (laughs) Coming for your um, breakfast. That would have been a bit much. I'm going to uh, find out who made my table for me now. Hold on. (laughs) How do you think this one's going to go? Off the grain. There we go. Right. How do you think this one's going to go? Because... Internet charlatans who scored Dominic off the grain co is in Halifax. So if you go to Etsy and Jesus. it's a it's a it's a really nice desk, um, and he seemed a really nice guy. <laughs> Breakfast magpies get back on message. I'm Dominic's a fine chap, and I'm sure his tables are great. But let's talk about Newcastle off the grain co on Etsy. You can't go wrong. Also, it's not just desks; all kinds of handmade. What's going furniture. on? Here? He's properly on the take here. He's doing his, he's doing no. side deals. Right, Dan, talk co- about football before he has a chance to. I don't know what to say about football. I was going to say internet charlatans who scored dot com say that Newcastle have got no significant strengths but lots of weaknesses. Are they wrong? <sighs> I don't know. Of course, yeah. they're not wrong. Well, to because I saw this and I thought, oh well, that's good. And obviously, they're entirely trustworthy. Uh, uh, who scored dot com for for their strengths. So I had a look at ours. 
one of our one thing we're strong at apparently is protecting the lead. Mm. Now this season we've not been in the lead, have we? Um. So how have they come to that conclusion? Crew, crew yes. There was we that protected one. that lead for twenty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, even holding on to a draw, we've not been particularly good at, have we? I mean, we we were level against Man United for like three minutes before they absolutely battered us. We were behind at Burnley. Burnley. Yeah, we were behind for three goals against Liverpool. Um, Everton, Everton, we were behind twice. So I don't know where this has come from. Maybe it's a longer term. Maybe they'll look at taking last season into account. Maybe so. I mean, we're we're good at coming back from losing positions, which I can see. We're very strong at that, which mm. I can see because we have done that against. Um, I, d- I don't. I don't want us to get into a losing position at St James's Park. I would like us to get into a winning position and remain there. That's my dream for for Friday. And just going back to what my mates were saying, they were saying if we go in front, if we got one in front in this game, it will turn toxic immediately. So we've got that in our locker. We know that if we get in front, I think we can get this game won. I think so. I mean, it's, it's basically Alan St Maxman. He's the one who is. They're good player, so just put Jamie Shackleton on him. Get, quick. Just get Pascal if he presumably if he gets his ban overturned, we can just put Pascal on him to do one of his um, jujitsu moves and his life and snap his leg um, with the, in a very subtle way, and then pretend to be uh, upset about it afterwards, and it w- we'll get away with that. Uh, the Liverpool replies are still coming in, by the way. So just to make you aware of that, it's, there's a lot of muting has been has been going on. They still have Dwight Gale up there as well, don't they? It's quite. Um... I remember when we used to consider him very, very dangerous and were terrified about defending against him. That's basically what people say about Newcastle in general, isn't it? Mm. Go on then. Predict how this one goes. Moscow, you're optimistic. Come on. Um, Newcastle United nil, Leeds United 4. That's big. 2-1 to Leeds. Okay. And Who's I've... scoring for them? Um, Liam Cooper. Liam... <laughs> penalty. Um, <laughs> penalty. Liam Cooper shirt pull on... <laughs> Um, I say maximum when he's he's realised he's run around the back of him and it's too late. <laughs> uh, and I, I did say I am confident about this game. I think this is the one where we can win, but I have to predict us mm. losing as nil four. Really, we're never losing four nil to Steve Bruce's pathetic Newcastle. If we do lose four nil, just uninstall Twitter <laughs> and all. And you say just don't just put your phone in the. I'm going to throw it in the time. I'm just going to not bother. It's just, it's just best not looking. I know I've only done that. Uh, I've only done that for the reverse jinx. You do understand that. Yeah, I realise. But haven't you put us in a situation? I mean, if we lose four 0 to Newcastle, we've got to sack Bielsa. There's no other option, is there? Why? Why would you say that? Because we lose four 0 <laughs> to this garbage. Yeah, we'll be fine. Have they scored four goals in the last three seasons? I mean, they put three past Norwich at the start of the season. Yes, yeah, Norwich. That, that counts for anything. What did their uh, manager say about Norwich's <laughs> defensive performance? <laughs> He said, we, we he, had, said, he said it was fine. He said it was, um, <laughs> yeah, not a problem. Steve uh, Bruce yeah. said, I shoved that beast book up real up his ears. Cornish at the end. But. That's really, really very odd. But yeah, they have, a, they have had a soft start. I mean, they've had a, a home games against Southampton and Norwich so far, which is it's not fair, really, is it, to have those at the start? That's we will get that as well. Oh, okay. Well, that should be later. Just play them later. Oh, okay. And then right. play them twice. Right. In the but, course of the both, season. Yeah, home and away. Home and away. Fair enough then. At the but, surf, yeah. The surf shack. but yeah, let's win this. They're not in great form, are they? I mean, they, 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 had, to, they had to face the, the greatest human in the world, Cristiano Ronaldo, last weekend, um, and he put two past them, didn't it's he? It's not but, even a question. I mean, Newcastle, this Newcastle team in good form would lose to us 3-0. They're awful. We will win. We say thanks to Levi Solicitors for bringing you the Square Ball podcast. They're doing 15% on all conveyancing instructions received up until the end of September. 2021 an additional discount for you the usual discount is 10 percent off all other services if you want to uh, get involved in that uh, i've run out of funny things to say about moving house in recent weeks i feel a bit sad after that liverpool game so moscow well moscow in his safe house as well he doesn't obviously need to need to make the move anymore does he? he's um he's under police protection following his slander of jürgen klopp i've got uh, van dyke keeping guard he seems to still like me if you uh, if you want to get in touch with Levi Solicitors to take advantage of that discount, have a look via their website, which is levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Have we got the energy for this then? Heroes and villains from the past seven days. It's been quite demanding in terms of uh, energy spent. Uh, it's only God, it's only Tuesday lunchtime. It only happened two two days ago. I feel very tired from the uh, the whole Liverpool experience, don't you? Mm, it is. I think it's one of these games that if that same injury had happened in the Championship, you'd have had like a day of, I don't know, Derby fans moaning at you or something, but then it would have just gone away. 
Whereas as it is, there's lots of them. There's just so many Liverpool fans; it can it can just keep rolling on. Even in the Premier League, if it hadn't been a a a live game on Sky on a Sunday involving Liverpool, I don't think anybody would particularly have given a toss if some Crystal Palace player has a bad injury from a tackle by a Southampton player. It just it doesn't have the same attraction. But one of the it kind of relates to what we're talking about on propaganda with um, Sonny trying to carve out this career for himself is that there's a lot of that sort of thing around Liverpool that I noticed in the build-up to the game, the, the number of YouTube channels and content generators that exist for Liverpool, um, probably more so than other members of the, the Big Four, means that there's a lot of noise about it. And the way to make it not tiring is to close Twitter and go to bed. <laughs> I mean, I'm flicking through it now. They're, well, they're exactly, just, they're, you're they're tiring just, yourself they out. They just keep coming. And Should I'm, we get I'm, into Klopp then? I'm, I'm, just, I'm, addicted, I'm addicted to the dopamine hit. I need to stop it. I'm putting my phone down. Right, okay, we go then. <laughs> so let's, let's make things better by going back to the same point again. Right, loads of people for the Ken Bates Villain of the Week Award have nominated Jurgen Klopp, Lee, Adsham, Jimmy, Alex, Rowan, Spadge, Andrew Larkin, etc., etc., etc. He's got too many teeth. Moving on. Right. Craig <laughs> Pawson. Uh, Pawson, referee. He's, uh, he listens to Jurgen Klopp too much. Mm-hmm. He does. I mean, the thing with, with, to go back to Klopp for a second, the stuff he said to the BBC <laughs> afterwards, when he said that, when they asked him if he thought it was a red card, and they asked him if he, what he'd said to the referee was one of the questions that was asked as well. And he he basically fudged the what had he said thing to say, oh, it doesn't matter now. Now is not the time. I don't want to talk about it, which is a classic politician's answer when you've done something that you shouldn't have done. And they go, well, let's not talk about that. Let's look. There's a bigger issue here yeah. at play. You know, at the end of the day, my actions were uh, are not to be looked at now. There's a there's a, been the death of a young man, and um, we need to focus more. <laughs> I don't know how he got into my bed. On that, um, so yeah, that that was the the kind of get out for for Klopp, wasn't it? Which was I think highlighted the the point that everyone was making, which is that basically he's, he's no business to go on run on the pitch and shout at a referee. No, there were there were reasons he could have been on the pitch to be looking after the injured player, all that kind of stuff. But that's where Craig Pawson's kind of villainy crosses over because it needed instead of going gently saying, "Oh, can you, yes, yes, you can please go over here." My my colleague, the fourth official, will be delighted to listen to your complaint. And I, I don't know if there was ever a golden age of refereeing that we can look back to but a strong referee would just have told him to get off the bloody pitch I was um, trying to distill this into a single thought this morning I was thinking on this exact same point and it's kind of it's just some sort of symptom of the whole system the whole Premier League bubble because it's so strongly branded but they've got this pool of elite referees they've got this pool of elite coaches it is a closed system isn't it and they all know each other yeah. so, so I think you what need you've to- seen is that kind of enacted out in the real in real in the real world like back in the in the olden days you know, so 20 years ago, let's say, it had a bit more free-for-all about it. It felt a, a little bit more like the referees were more independent of the Premier League as a whole, whereas it feels like the Premier League now, kind of, the referees are almost a filter through which the product is passed, if, if that makes sense. David Ellery is a school teacher. Al is not such a peer and a friend of Jurgen Klopp as a manager and would just tell him to get off. And if Klopp needed to come on the pitch, he can come on the pitch, but it needs to be under the referee's with the referee's agreement and with the referee's terms, that's what it should have been. We, I made the example on propaganda earlier of the um, Christian Eriksen incident where the manager waited on the on the sidelines in his technical area, waiting for news, and the, the referee went over and was speaking to him, and I'm sure the, the invitation was, well, if you want to go over there, you can. And I'm sure the referee in this situation, with it being such a serious injury to a player, would have said to you, well, if you need to come on the pitch, you can come on the pitch and, and make sure that your medical staff are looking after him. But it's not. If you want to come on the pitch and shout at me for five minutes, then we can do that. And actually, do you know what? I, I, as I said over the course of discussing all this, I don't really blame Jurgen Klopp for getting upset about it because it was, you know, it was, a, it was a horrible thing that happened, and he was close to it. And you know, in the heat of the moment, you might lose your shit. But what that needed was a strong referee saying, yeah. "Just go sit down." If we'll you're going to lose your yeah. shit, go and lose your shit in your technical yeah. area. And when yeah. you calm down, you can come on the pitch and do what you need to do with the player. You can't sit here and, and get in my ear for, for five minutes when he's trying to manage a situation. First of all, when a player's badly injured. Uh, yeah, it just didn't sit right, did it? But again, I understand it. But, you know, we're not here to be reasonable, are we? So uh, Craig Pawson can get in the bin, nominated by Angry Chris, Philip Lee, Paul, Todd, David, and many, many others. And he was quite bad in other areas as well. Like we spoke about that handball that he um, he didn't, didn't give, yeah. and then that led to Liam Cooper fouling um, their guy on the edge of the penalty area, which I then saw 
presented by Liverpool fans as um, Porson's failure to send Liam Cooper off, that he forgot to give him a second yellow card was the phrase that I used. And they're not actually far wrong, but it all came from Porson not giving um, a handball that he then gave against Henderson later in the game for basically exactly the same thing. So he had a bad day all round, really. And, you know, if a manager is, you know, losing his shit, as we said, you're looking to the referees in what is a, you know, it's not a situation where you need a manager losing his shit. You need people concentrating on giving medical attention to a badly hurt player. So you need some strength and some discipline around to um, to keep Klopp under control. And as was uh, as I outlined earlier, the Liverpool players were very good at it. And so that was the example to follow. Anyway, Maybe let's now. get more into Liverpool because Anthony's... Well, they're picked out for a variety of reasons. So we've kind of uh, put them all under, under one umbrella here. But Anthony was annoyed at him being so good <laughs> and he's yeah. also annoyed at Arsenal to just get relegated which I think is a, is a fine request we've also got Aidan who's picking out their fans for not being great in terms of uh, volume giving it big licks but shit support that's another thing that's kind of kicked off after the game isn't it which we've not touched on yet about the kind of allegation and counter allegation of what was and wasn't sung and stuff and there's been I'm sure we've well the, the, the 96 won't be missed was just the Sky TV fucking shit song that's yeah. been completely misunderstood by people who weren't probably weren't at the game I mean that that was absolutely not sung um, the always the victims thing was which does we, let's not pretend that doesn't have Hillsborough connotations because it absolutely does whether or not everyone actually singing it fully realises it or whether that's become just a thing it's a, it's a stick about, to, it's a stick to beat each other in the same way that we saw Liverpool fans doing the Turkey yeah. shit and I don't, I don't know who started it who's responsible for its instigation. Do I like to see it? No, it happens. We all probably need to grow up a little bit around football, but this is what football fans do to each other. And it's... it's like, don't make it right, but it just is the truth. And like the people doing the the turkey thing, like doing the gestures and the one bloke who'd Got the bizarrely like Google the turkey flag and was holding that up, which is just, think, just, it's just pathetic really, but like they are not representative of Liverpool fans as a whole, but it's one of those things that it, become, it just becomes a complete well, the ongoing the, it becomes an ongoing debate, doesn't yeah. it? Of like you did that, yeah, but you were singing this at the time, and it's like, yeah, but that's because you were doing that. And it's just like, it's yeah, the bonfire, isn't it? It's not. And because somebody in the away end heard maybe twenty people singing something near them from the south stand, that becomes on social media. All Leeds fans were singing X and Y, and it's just kind of you know. I can categorically tell you that from my seat, watching on my little telly in the press area, I was not singing anything untoward at the Liverpool fans. Therefore, to say all Leeds fans in the stadium is, you know, we just know it categorically doesn't work that way, but it it very soon gets lost on Twitter, doesn't it? I will say this, that since we've been back in the stadiums, we're quickly not becoming everybody's second favourite team anymore, are we? Jesus, it's... Uh... No, I mean, it's, it's safe to say both Leeds and Liverpool fans, um, not Angels. Yeah, no, absolutely Broadly, not, broadly yeah. speaking, we are, what you would say, describe as like some of the more old school fans, I think it's fair to say, on both sides, and that always does bring a little element of that stuff. Yeah, it's, it? it's got some nastiness. It's got some edge. <laughs> I don't know what to say about it. I, it you know, we. Can, <laughs> I wish it didn't happen, but it does, you know. I think this season has sort of a bit of an aura of a comeback tour, because like, it's the first time we've played against these teams in a league scenario for 20 years. So a lot of people are kind of taking it back 20 years to kind of renew hostilities and rivalries from that time in the the manner of probably 20 years even earlier. And I think this season may be a little bit of a, a tour of that nature of teams coming here and those going to other clubs and getting that kind of, I don't know, renewal of old friendships, shall we say. Mm. And maybe once this season's over and kind of the, all the steam has kind of been let out of that, you know, oh, we've been waiting for this for 20 years to sing these songs and have these scraps, then Possibly after that, it'll kind of cool off a little bit when it becomes a little bit more routine and yeah. normal. I mean, because we we always use the example from the League One and Championship days that even Millwall seems to get bored of doing the turkey stuff eventually, where it's kind of, it almost became like a, just like a bit of a pantomime where it's like, yeah, okay, it's, well. It's a, it's a bad taste pantomime. We're going to do yeah. this and then you do yeah. that. Remember we did it last season. Yeah, yeah. Whereas uh, Liverpool and Leeds fans have not had the opportunity to, to have the go at each other in this manner for a long time. So everybody's got that renewed enthusiasm for mocking the dead. Yep. And do it for a year. And then, um, I think some of the, uh, the air will be let out of it by the end of the season. I would, I hope. Yeah. Okay. Moving on then. Um, Rodrigo gets picked out by a number of people as a villain, potentially 
just because he's just ineffectual, isn't he? It's not his fault. So I, I feel bad for even nominating him with this one. He's got a lovely face, and I'm sure he's not trying to not play well in that position, but he's not playing well in that position. So maybe someone else should do it. In fairness, he should have scored. Bit. He should have scored early on, and then it's a different game. It might not have been a different game. We might have lost 6 1, but. <laughs> There is a chance that it might have been. And you can't disprove it. So there you go. Conor Gallagher gets a nomination from Andre for not choosing us and looking really good for, for Crystal Palace. I would back this. It's quite difficult to watch any Premier League highlights at the moment when Crystal Palace are involved because he always seems to be playing really well. And I don't like it. I don't care for that. I but, also I see I see how he would have fit into our system on the bench. Yeah, probably. While, but, Rod- while Rodrigo plods around. <laughs> Sorry, go on. No, just I don't like him now. <laughs> he had his chance, didn't he? And the, uh, he made his, his decision. And, it, you know, it's all very well swanning around being good for Crystal Palace, but he probably would have just totally Rodrigo'd it for Leeds anyway. So let him be good for um, Palace. Where's it got Wolf Saha, eh? Exactly. Um, desperate for a move out of there. Jonathan Crossland picked out quite a niche complaint. Players covering mouths, which uh, they're all doing it now, aren't they, to stop being lip-read and have people realise what they're saying? Although the one bit of lip-reading you could do was Luke Ayling and Pat Bamford who were both near, uh, when just after Stroke had been sent off. I, I can't tell the the start of Ailing because I'm, I'm struggling to read his, his Cockney lips, but you can see he says something about not even, didn't even give a foul, I think is what he's saying, and and Bamford's making a similar point. You can see him just being like, I think Bamford's saying, you didn't even give a free kick, which is a um, fair point. But, <laughs> um, whereas Klopp is just, just giving it that behind his, his mouth while shouting at some pensions in the West Stand. Uh, ben has got a particular individual grievance among the fan base saying the dickhead in the East Stand who thought it was a good idea to bring his son to the game in his full Liverpool kit or kid yeah. maybe it's maybe it's a stepson and he doesn't like him and he, <laughs> he's got him a ticket and like yeah this will show him I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw him to the wolves here okay uh, we need to nominate a uh, or select rather a villain of the week one final um, Scouse nomination as well Paul Gost who I believe is the uh, the Echoes Liverpool correspondent who was saying that he was found in the he was doing a bit of pearl clutching around the the, ah, yes. the thing, the one who's saying, you know, an 18-year-old kid's had his breakout season as this boil club effectively ended four games in. Post-strike, eh? Having to miss three games because of it. Shrug. I mean, he's the, he's the same one who spent the entire summer saying Henderson should be playing for England as well. Yeah. So, R- Remarkably myopic for a journalist. <laughs> and it, it does come across quite badly, doesn't it? Again, talking about like, the attention economy and that sort of stuff, he's he's almost indulging in that. And you'd think, ah, come on, rise above that, pal. But you know, anyway, should we give it to Klopp then? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I I sort of understand his his reaction to it, but on the other hand, I'm not a Liverpool fan. We're not here to uh, to appease Jurgen Klopp, are we? I did like like, like Lee's point as well of saying Klopp going wild after he'd already been sent off as well. It's like, well, what what, what more? What do you want him? To, what more do you want him to have done? Like, this is why I, I think this is partly what I was saying in propaganda was that it felt like a a build up of Klopp's frustrations of the season thus far of his players being treated badly that all of a sudden he was like he wanted it, he wanted the whole league sorting out mm. within this sort of the three, micro, three the minutes, within that, this yeah. three minute period yeah. it's like well it's, this is just one accidental thing that happened and you need to calm down related to that is, is him then going on the BBC and saying now is not the time for me to to discuss that when actually that was the time to discuss it yelling in the ear of the fourth official about all your grievances about the changes to the refereeing and new rulings of how the game is going to be officiated will do nothing. Perhaps broadcast interview where you can speak to a wider audience than this this one poor bloke is the time to then say, well, I think this has come about because of this, this and this. It'd be wrong, but it, it would be a better platform for his views than the poor sod who had all those teeth in his ear. And put your glasses back on, it looks weird. <laughs> I just wish Mateus Click had been there to calm things down with a nice... A nice cold bottle of water down the back because <laughs> that always helps things, doesn't it, when he does that? Now picturing like putting on a, nicking a medic's jacket and going in to treat Harvey Elliott. <laughs> oh, I'm a doctor, don't worry. Aha, break the other one. <laughs> Giving gas to all the opposition players and stuff. Anyway, the Gitano Barardi Hero of the Week Award then. This one is not related to all that stuff. It's uh, a bit of a left field one from Angry Chris who is ignoring the football but on the Sky coverage just before half time. He did see a young lad in the crowd who was troughing down on a Yorkshire pudding. <laughs> Which do we sell the Yorkshire puddings in the ground, or is that brought from home? Well, they've started um, tweaking some of the concessions, haven't they? Like um, I think within the East Stand of like um, La Milanese Bottega, whatever it's called, Bottega the coffee. Milanese. That's the one. The, the coffee posh coffee people from town. They've got an outlet now in the East Stand, and it seems to be more sort of local. We and still love your lanes a little bit more, but Bottega's good as well. Is that it today? Isn't he? <laughs> Constant 
constant. He's going to reveal a, a Pizza Hut t-shirt in a minute or something. <laughs> he's going to wear it for the last five minutes. Yeah, there are loads of different concessions. That's all I had to say on that. Right, uh, our medical team, uh, given uh, a nod by a number of people, Lee and Chris uh, among them, for, for doing you know the hard work. And it was picked out, wasn't it, by uh, the Liverpool medical staff said, Thank you to Rob Price and his team for uh, for getting straight in there and straight involved in it. Lo doesn't know Rob's pri- Rob Price's work, does he? Said so Rob Price and his team treated him exactly as they treat one of their own. Well, the, the, <laughs> we're expecting which... him to make a very rapid recovery, just like Adam Forshaw, <laughs> the Butcher of Beast, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I mean, I don't know how I feel about this, but Pascal Stroik's been nominated by a number of people: Philip, Anthony, Tom Cole, Alex, Ben. Is is it right to put him up as a hero? No, given... it's worth <laughs> saying no one has nominated him. Because people do do give their reasons for nominations. No, no one has said because he broke that little rat's leg in half. Everyone has said because he didn't deserve it, and he, he was, was it was sympathy. He was playing, yeah. he was playing well, and it must be a bad thing to have actually done to someone. Well, mm. admittedly, it's not as bad as having your ankle snapped. Still feels a bit. It mis- still feels like a bit misplaced. You'd be you'd. You can feel you can feel a degree of sympathy for him, as I think Virgil Van Dyke did was when he was a bit like oh. Yeah. Shit, mate. You can see a lot Look of what you've done. <laughs> a, a number of the Liverpool players were kind of going over and putting their um, their arm on him and saying, like, oh, don't worry about it. Just, you know, walk away. And like, like when Son broke that Everton player's leg and looked like he was he was going to just retire from the game at that point because he was like, I can't believe I've done this with yeah, the clear horrif- look on his face. Horrified. But then the difference then was, and as we flagged up before, that he did have a lot of Everton players steaming in trying to take his head off, which was always the, which is where I, you know, respected. Van Dyke's reaction but I think with um, Pascal Stroik as a hero this week is one of the things you characterise it as difficult to sell Yeah, it's yeah. going to be it would be hard to talking uh, earlier on about Rad- take, take the award down to him <laughs> talking about Radrazani not necessarily always reading the room well Yeah, this is not going to happen is it we say oh no it's not for that t-shirts at the next game with his face on yeah well justice for Pascal that's a different all that uh, sort of that stuff. Is a, that is a different uh, discussion, isn't it? Right, let's talk about Calvin Phillips because he's got the probably the biggest weight of nominations. Roger Aiden, Jacob, Jonathan, Rowan, Paul, etc. Um, nominating him for for being good. One of the few players who can basically come off that pitch with his his head held high. Phil actually did nominate him for being a villain for essentially the same reason, saying just to highlight how good he was when Rafinha was doing the decent thing. And, um, and good not, luck in your Champions League campaign next season. And not particularly showing that, so um, in, a, in a bid to stop himself being sold, whereas Calvin was there showing off, wasn't he, mm-hmm. in the midfield and looking dead good. There was a so. nomination for, uh, for Alioski as well. Are we missing him? I would have said he'd probably have done as, an equally as good a job as Firpo on the weekend. Although, like reading some of the comments like on Wacko and just on Twitter and stuff, Firpo was in a difficult situation that he was up against Salah and did a reasonable job at times. Yeah, I mean, he's new to the club. He had COVID, like, last week, and then he has to play... He was argu- injured argu- in pre-season. And then he has to play, arguably, like... Oh, the perpetually best, injured, the best, isn't he? Yeah. The best winger in the, the Premier League has ever seen. So <laughs> it is pretty... It's a tough ask. And I think with Alioski, there's a lot of... Because things aren't going well, there's a slight revisionism about him where people are going, oh, he was, he'd have been fine, wouldn't he? It was actually what we'd have probably been I mean, been, he got tore saying. apart against Brighton, so it's kind of... Would he necessarily have been absolutely 100% good against Salah? Yeah. No. And was Firpo 100% terrible? No, I think he was, you know, he struggled with him, particularly in the early stages, got better. I think he looked decent going forward. But again, you're not going to get, we weren't getting much change out of um, Liverpool's fullbacks because they're brilliant. Their attackers are brilliant. Midfielders are brilliant. It was a difficult game for him to, to shine. Um, still be nominated for hero ship though, which again feels like a difficult sell. Yeah, I wouldn't say he was a hero. I'd say he was he was fine. He did okay. And I think it's, also, I think it's there uh, to counter the people who are saying he was crap. Right. Is he's, 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 people are like trying to help him out here? I mm. think. Well, um, and also he was very quickly on the scene to. Um, I've even forgotten his name. Elliot. I mean, the Liverpool fans don't think he'll ever play again, so I don't know why I have to remember his his name. Um, but uh, he was quickly on the scene and put his arm around him as he was on the floor. So that was um, even though you can see. One of the photos that kind of has been going around to of the tackle happening is you can see Furpo in the background going, like, that looks horrible. And, you know, they always say that the hero's walking towards danger, walking towards the hideously dislocated ankle. So so we know if if ever anybody has a bone dislocation, Furpo's going to be right there. So that's good to it's good to have that in the team. I mean feeding on Would script. Alioski have been there? No. Feeding I'll on get up in his little comedy ambulance. One of those little tykes ones. Running around the pitch, yeah. Bamford got a nomination, feeding on scrap stuff here, but for that lob and the few brief sec- seconds in which 
Phil thought he was going to see goal of the season. It was a good attempt, wasn't it? I thought actually Bamford was pretty good because he didn't have a, a huge amount to. He's had very little to, to feed, get on, the to end feed off, on all season, really. So, and I, yeah, I thought he did. He did overall pretty well. And again, to, to give him the same respect as we just gave Furpo being up against Van Dyke and Van Yeah. I mean, Van Dyke is, is quite good, isn't he? Best defender in the world. Uh, nominations for Bielsa. Paul and Spadge, uh, Marcelo for being the perfect human that he is and bringing calm to everything. Mm. Uh, Spadge, his view on the 3pm blackout has been magnificent and we you know, talked about the commercial stuff earlier on. I you just want him think, sacked? Right, um, no, get I, him to by that again, I just think given how exposed he were and he spoke he spoke himself about how Klopp's plan had completely undone his plan. It was, it was an inferior plan. Again, just feels like a difficult sell under the circumstances despite his... Uh, level of humanity, etc. Maybe if he would um, stick to the political side of the game and discussing the the role of money and commercialism and uh, grassroots football, knock the coaching on the head because he doesn't seem to be very good at it. <laughs> um, that might suit him better. The um, opposite of uh, concentrate on the football. Whoever the uh, the post-game interviewer was got a nomination as well by Todd uh, for asking Klopp what he'd said to the... Uh, to the referee in the aftermath of the tackle, and you know we know he said it's not important when actually it was quite important. Caught bang to rights. Probably said I'm concerned for my player. Mm. Is um, that everyone? Uh, I wish to ask you about how your evening, what your evening plans are, or something. What are you doing after this? Do you want to go for a bit? Is that everybody getting nominated? <sighs> I think so. Yeah. Just give it to Calvin. He was the only one who played really well. I don't know. Oh, if oh, you, actually, if we... you're smuggling a Yorkshire pudding into Elland Road, then I think you deserve some kind of. Prize. Melier. I was going to say there were actually nominations for Melier as well, who in fairness did make some good saves. As much as this was painted as Mane missing loads of chances, some of them were really good saves. Yeah. And he, he came out very well to close stuff down and he's got his big spindly legs on things, didn't he? I mean, so it's, uh, it's between Calvin and Melier then. Well, you're, you're putting up as well if we're, if one that ailing was awful but got some good blocks in and then strike, there was that really good tackle that gave away the corner that we conceded from but played very well. So he's, he's sort of edging back in, isn't he? Mm. It's it's Calvin or Melier. Who's it going to be? The Yorkshire Pud Kid. Is it? <laughs> or the Yorkshire Pud Kid. Is, I'd give it to Calvin personally. Right. Um, I, I think majority rules here. I also I, saw I will, Calvin's mum uh, also walked past me while selling the magazine, which was like a weird. <gasps> Did she stop and buy one? No. Well, we're giving it to the Yorkshire Pud the, Kid then. He's on the cover as well. Well, exactly. She, I'd, I'd have, she could have had a free one as well. You know, Look, I'm, I'm good like that. Let's give him. The hero of the week because he's he's been the only bright light in what was a fairly difficult time. Maybe you can... don't know what that Yorkshire pudding tasted like. Yeah, I just think by weight of nominations and and majority in this room, it's going to have to be Calvin. Are you fine with that? I'm fine with that. Are you of course, ac- it's fine with it because it's it's you're are, agreeing are, are with it. Are you him. accepting that? Are you I, fine with me? No, I'm not accepting it. Right. <laughs> are you fine with them? Um, perpetually upset, he, isn't he? He is perpetually upset. I was just about, just about to make that point. Uh let's wrap it up there then and hope for. More joy next week. It feels like it's been a little bit more fractious this week, which is understandable. Because of you two knobheads. Fractious. It was dislocated, actually. Yep. Yeah, that's very, very true. We will... Um, I look forward to that being clipped no, and I, shared I, online. I'm not making light of it. Christ. You can't, you can't. You're not allowed to make a joke of anything anymore. No, that's true. Uh, right, well... You can't even say that you respect Virgil van Dijk because you're not respecting Klopp. Right, listen, we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up there and... Um, return next week with the main weekly show look out for propaganda and the match ball after the Newcastle game enjoy it Michael I'll try my best if we lose it'll be a miserable evening won't it but um, yeah and you'll be we shouldn't a hundred miles from home great stuff we'll see you in a bit the square ball podcast even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.